Welcome back to the DC3 cast. We're down a man this week. It's just Zach and I. Vince is off getting married, so he's not here. Congratulations again, Vince. This will go up the morning he's getting married, so congratulations, buddy. This is He'll listen to it while he's preparing. Yeah, I picture him like with earbuds in, tying a bow tie. Yeah, you know? <laughs> getting pumped. Getting pumped. With some uh, some Sufjan Stevens in the background, he's getting he's getting a little emotional. <laughs> I, I like to think he has a picture of us in his like breast pocket, you know, so that we're yeah. there. We're he there. Just pulls it out and kisses it, and Ex- tucks it exactly so that he knows that we're there with him no matter what through <laughs> it all. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna talk about uh, is it six different books? Yes, I think so. Six different books for this week. Um, Five Rebirth issues, and then the finale of Justice League, which uh, we're going to start with, written by Dan Jurgens, um, which is going to be a theme of the week, illustrated by Tom Grummet, and uh, this sort of is like, if there was an Action Comics Rebirth issue, this would have been it. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the issue? I- I'm very interested to hear what you say. Um, I, I didn't think it was bad. Agreed. It, I feel like with like Jurgens's action comic stuff, it's, a, it's a step up from other things that we've seen from him. Mm-hmm. And I actually kind of felt that way about like his Superman work, like going back, you know, he did that convergence mini mm-hmm. And he even did like a, I think he did the Futures End issue as well. Um, and so I, you know, I guess it, when you think about it, when you say like, oh, I'm, I'm surprised that Jurgens is doing well on Superman. On one hand, it's like, oh, well, he, you know, he did up Superman. Of course, you know, but at the same time, you know, he did that 20 years ago. And right. And so I, I think it's fair to be, you know, a, not maybe not surprised, but you wouldn't necessarily expect that to to carry forward. But I do think his Superman work has been pretty solid so far. Yeah, and I think that he has a good handle on who New Fifty Two Lex is, mm-hmm. and that's especially important for this issue, but also for his action work in general. Right. I feel like it's just. Knowing who Lex is is a good thing, and I think that the, this the, his action work, and we'll get to that in a minute, has really sort of drawn a line between pre Flashpoint Lex and New Fifty Two Lex, mm-hmm. and I think it's a smart line to draw because we've we've already seen like pre Flashpoint Lex be the meanest bastard you can imagine. And we know eventually this Lex is going to go back there. He has to. They're not going to turn him into a a full-on hero for the rest of eternity. It's not going to happen. And so I think it makes the ride to get there more interesting if he's not a total prick the whole time. Yeah. I mean, not that Lex has never been a sympathetic character or had, you know altruistic motives but they're kind of he's kind of going all in on that here yeah um even more so you know we had mentioned in a previous episode the paul cornell 
um and pete woods i think yes did the uh that uh, that run on action comics prior to the new 52 that starred lex it began when he had the orange lantern ring yes um and that you know even lex was never he was the the book's protagonist but he was never a hero in that right he you know he was always out for himself um, he was still, you know, is still very true to that version of the character. In this case, you know, building through what Johns had been doing in Justice League and what we had seen in some of the other books as well, this is very much like Lex as a hero. Um, yes, I mean, but what I like about it is like, you know, th- this whole issue kind of is framed by Lex buying the Daily Planet to get Superman's cape. <laughs> and that's an amazingly Lex Luthor thing to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not – he doesn't do it like – he doesn't do it for bad reasons, but he doesn't mm-hmm. do it for good reasons either. Right. You know, the right. The the pre-Flashpoint Lex Luthor would have done it as a, you know, an, an affront, a, a spite to the memory of Superman. This Lex just does it, A, because he wants it, and B, I – I do think, like in his own weird way, it's it's his way of paying respect. Yes, maybe. You know what this reminds me a lot of. What in tone? The it it reminds me of Superior Spider-Man. Yes, but the difference is here, like Lex isn't fighting against his interests. Right. I get what, yeah. I guess maybe in terms of like, I actually don't know. I'd have to think about it a lot. Like, why I feel that way. I have just gotten that feeling in reading it. I mean, um, it, there's like a mental I definitely, association there. It, like, I definitely tone, get it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything but else to I, add I like about, about maybe Tom Gromit's art? What do you think of his work? Um. So I haven't really seen a lot of modern grummet stuff i think he did some on uh infinity people that sounds right yeah i think he filled in on some of the non-giffen issues um it was fine yeah i didn't you know it wasn't i you know i thought it I, i thought it fit well with the kind of visual style that action seems to have moving forward with like Zercher and um, I think Kirkon is the other artist eventually supposedly Um, you know I thought it fit well with that and yeah I thought it was fun yeah you know I I think he um, I think he's a good partner for Juergens in this Mm -hmm. Um, yeah I, I don't know if I have anything else too much to add about it it was it was perfectly fine I don't yes. quite know why it was a Justice League issue. Well, I you know, I think... I guess it wraps so up the story that, that started right. in Justice League. Yeah, which, you know, I feel... Originally, you know, the one that came out last week, the Titans one, was going to be a Green Lantern-centric issue by Humphreys. And that, you know, that would have made sense because it would have followed up, you know... Jessica's. The great, yeah, yeah, Jessica's introduction in, at the end of Dark Side War. And so I think that was maybe like 
the original idea for these two issues. Um, but then somewhere along the lines, they got roped into Rebirth setup. Because I think this issue was originally like solicited with Johns on it as well. I believe so. When yes. it was when it was issue fifty one, and obviously you know some stuff changed behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, but you know it's it for what it is. If you like action comics right now, then it's worth picking up because, like you said, this basically is like the action comics rebirth issue. It's weird that it's coming out after the first action comics issue. Yes. Um, but hey, that's comics. Exactly. And I, I think when it's collected, if there's ever like a Dan Jurgens action comics collection, that might even mm-hmm. wind up in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would be surprised if it didn't show up in like the first trade. Yeah. Especially because the other like Superman will have that rebirth issue. Right. Whereas action won't. So Well that brings us to Action Comics number nine fifty eight. Again, written by Dan Jurgens, illustrated by Patrick Zercher. Uh, this issue c- picks up exactly where the last one left off. Superman and Lex are fighting Doomsday. Uh, Clark Kent shows up. And uh, the, the whole issue kind of takes place within this fight. There's a little bit of... We get some flashes to Lois and Jonathan back on the farm. But essentially, this is all happening like mid-battle. Um... I really like Zercher's art. I, I've been a fan of his for a while, and I think he does some nice work here. Uh, aside from that, I don't think there's all that much to talk about here. No, there's not. Um, yeah, I agree. Zercher's art is very strong. It's a little stiff at times. Um, very, maybe maybe not necessarily posy. Mm-hmm. Because no one's really like posturing. It's just kind of like still photos of a of a fight scene. Yeah. You know? Um, but it is very nice looking. Um, I guess is this the first time we've gotten like a full face view of Mr. Oz? I believe so. Yeah, the Mr. Oz stuff, I guess, is is the most newsworthy stuff here. Yeah. But uh, it, even then, you know, nothing really no substantial happens. We we yeah. don't get a great view of him, you know. I can't tell for sure if that's Ozymandias or not. <laughs> yeah. Um throwback to an old DC3 topic and you know, whatever. Um you know, Doomsday is is seems to be a smarter Doomsday, which I'm kind of tired of that. Yeah, I'm uh I mean, I'm tired of Doomsday in general. Mhm. And I, th- I yeah. Like, you know, to to me this Doomsday is if <laughs> if Doomsday is to the Hulk, then this is like Dooms this Doomsday is like the Grey Hulk. Mm-hmm. Like when when he could speak better and had like more of a brain and yeah. was still the Hulk. And while I understand the appeal of that from a storytelling perspective, as a storyteller, to me what makes Doomsday so interesting is that there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. He's just pure instinct. So I don't yeah. need to see another smart villain. Right. We've got well, and we've kind of gotten the smart doomsday thing a few times now. You know, we we got that a little bit in the doomed storyline. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, that was a bit different, but not that much different though. So, yeah, sort of. Yeah, and then in again um, the pre 
new 52 action run ended with a, yes a, a the, reign of the dooms of, of doomsday was it called or yeah, I think reign of doomsday something like that and i think that kind of toyed around with a like smarter more adaptable doomsday as well and so like we've gotten that a few times and i i agree i think doomsday works better just as like a force of nature mm -hmm. when you try to you know kind of give him a character outside of that i think it works against the point of the character agreed um and i was kind of hoping that since this is seemingly the you know the same doomsday that killed superman or at least that's how i was taking it um the way the way the, the way he's talking is like he smells the same and all that yeah that somehow yeah. he crossed over from the other plane somehow the other earth right other time well, it's not really a different earth the other timeline i don't even know how you'd say that <laughs> i don't think anyone does <laughs> um but yeah so i you know that kind of frustrates me a little bit but again this i feel like we're still playing wait and see with this with this ish, this comic um between the doomsday thing the extra clark kent mr oz um there's just so much that we don't understand yet and this issue kind of keeps that holding pattern going yeah i was taking a brief look at the dc solicits for september Mm -hmm. And I want to say September begins a, an arc called, like, Who is Clark Kent? Mm -hmm. So we're not getting answers to this for quite some time. And all that means for me is that we're going to... That we kind of need to, like, ease, ease back here and just, like, let this comic happen uh -huh. on its own. Because it's not going to happen at the pace I want it to happen. That's one. I think one of my bits of naivete is I thought, oh, this is going to be publishing twice monthly. That means they can tell twice as much story. Well, sadly, that means they're, they're telling the same amount of story, just <laughs> decompressed over two issues. <laughs> Speaking of that, we're not talking about this book this week, but since you brought up the solicits, um, one of the solicitation, the solicitation text for one of the Green Lanterns issues uh -huh. um, basically makes it sound like one of the issues is going to be Jessica and Simon discussing why Simon carries a gun, and that's oh, it. Geez. So, speaking of de decompressed storylines, oh boy, but you understand what I'm saying, though. Yeah, I see, do. Like, yeah, again, I, I'm still on board with this. I, I'm interested to see where it goes. I just want it to go someplace a little bit faster. Mm -hmm. But that's a that's a comment I have about comics in general. It's not just a, an action comics problem, right? Um. Okay, next up we have Aquaman number one, written by Dan Abnett, illustrated by Brad Walker. Um, let's dive into this. I really like this issue. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely better than the Rebirth issue. Absolutely. Part of that is Brad Walker's art. Mm -hmm. I, I really liked the, um, this is a small point, but <laughs> costumes were perfect. No, the um, <laughs> I, I really liked the way he did Aquaman's, like, it looks scalier than a lot of artists do his costume. Yeah, it was like almost kind of uh it had like it was very textured, almost kind of like bubbly looking. It was it almost reminded me of like it was quietly esque in yes, a way. Absolutely. You know? That's a great call. But so uh this issue is about essentially opening up the Atlantean embassy in the United States. And I, I mentioned this to you and to Vince, I think, in a, in a text. Or maybe, maybe it was actually 
during last week's show or right after we recorded last week's show, I feel like this is the platonic ideal of a Rebirth comic mm-hmm. where we're getting a... Um, the versions of the characters look very familiar to what we've seen before, and yet the stories feel a little bit fresher. And I think that the idea of an Atlantean embassy is a really smart idea. Do I need Black Manta creeping on Aquaman from from uh, outside of his house? No, I've seen that a hundred times. But I felt like this was this was handled pretty well, and I think that showing Aquaman as a a willing ambassador and showing Mira as somebody who maybe doesn't feel it quite as much, but believes in her partner enough to support it. I, I think it's, I think there's an interesting dynamic there. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is kind of, you know, with the rebirth issue, we pretty much talked about how it was essentially like a retread of what the like first few arcs of, Aquaman had been in the new 52. Mm-hmm. This feels maybe not con- totally fresh, but a, a at least a continuation. You know, it's moving forward. Yes. And, and as I said to you, there's no brooding in this issue whatsoever. You're right. No, it it's they're just getting stuff done. And I I feel like Aquaman's default setting has been brooding for so long. Mhm. Um so, uh, oh, we didn't do this with the first two, but I guess the first two, we, we kind of did it last week with action, and Justice League is over, so we, we don't need to do it. But uh, Pull Pirate and Pulp, what do you think about this uh, issue? yeah. This, um, starting with Aquaman? Yeah, yeah. And I... uh, actually, is there anything else you want to say about Aquaman? Um, we mentioned the art. Um, yeah, I feel like there's some really good world building here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I hear Dan Abnett, name i immediately go to like guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. just because when i was coming into comics that was what yeah he was he was big on um and yeah i feel like that's one of the things that he excelled on so he and um andy lanning excelled on so so much on that book was just building that world um and making it like relevant and new and i feel like aquaman is kind of ripe for that you know mm-hmm. Atlantis as a concept is very much, you know, in line with, you know, Marvel's like cosmic universe in that, you know, it's tangential to the rest of everything else and is, you know, just ripe for exploration. And I would love to see him, you know, just flex on that. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, you, you get the introduction of the, the British Lieutenant. Um, is it Lieutenant? Yes, uh, Lieutenant Stubbs, and you got Captain Sark who ends up, spoiler alert, dying in the issue. But you got a nice bit of character development there, and it didn't feel like they were shoving these new characters down your throat. Like it felt relatively organic. It mm-hmm. made sense for the story to be told. Um, even the goofy Daily Planet reporter, who wound up being Black Manta in disguise, I felt like that was a. That was a great DC character. Mm-hmm. I've seen that guy before, that type of character before. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Oh, and I didn't even think about the fact that Walker worked on that Guardians run as well. Oh, so, yeah, look at that. Getting the band back together. Yeah, exactly, except for Andy Lennon because they don't speak yeah. anymore. I wonder what happened there. I don't know. Um, 
And I have to say, too, this covered Aquaman number one seems like it's everything that we know about Aquaman. Like, it's, uh, you get Garth, you get, um, the, uh, Black Manta, Mira Aquaman, you get Aquaman's brother. You know, it's just, it, it's a nice, like, it's a nice mission statement for the book, I guess. Yeah, I like these kinds of covers. For a number one issue, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Pull Pirate and Pulp, what do you think? Um, I think I'm still Pirate, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. If I'm going just on this issue, I'd pull it, but based mm-hmm. on this and the Rebirth, I think I'm pirating it too. Yeah. But it's better than I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I one of the things that I'm finding really interesting about Rebirth so far is all of the books that I liked before Rebirth, I'm not liking as much, but, you know, books that I didn't like in the New 52, I'm, the Rebirth incarnations are are much more to my taste. That's a really good point. I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, which is really nice because, you know, I get tired of reading Batman. Yeah. (laughs) Only Batman. (laughs) Well, let's get back to the Bat family and get to Detective Comics number 935. This one, again, written by James Tynan, illustrated by Eddie Barrows. Although um, uh, although we um, talked about this last time, I think this issue does a nice job of sort of establishing a tone for the series that maybe was you were unable to do last time because it was uh because it was sort of such an introduction there wasn't a rebirth issue this feels in some ways like like the first issue of the series mm-hmm. um i love the idea of a clayface mudroom <laughs> so weird yeah and that's a really really weird um but yeah element. i mean gotta have your danger room yeah um I also, I meant to mention this last time, I think this is especially true this time, is it just me or is Batwoman the character that every artist reverts back to like her original look? Yeah. Like, just look at the the second or third page, it's, um, you see Batwoman is on the left-hand panel and then on the right-hand panels you see uh, Spoiler, Orphan, and Clayface kind of in three smaller panels. Mm-hmm. And it looks like a completely different artist drew Batwoman. Because everybody just draws her like she is J.H. Williams. Yeah. I, which, I mean, like... I have no problem with that. I don't I don't either. It's a very, like, just iconic look. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, it's not often that these kind of, like, you know, secondary, tertiary characters get such an iconic treatment that everyone draws them like that. Yeah. But she's definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, so but speaking, speaking of J.H. Williams, actually, no, this isn't even a good segue, but <laughs> go for it. It's not at all. But I, you know, we, I meant to mention it last issue, um, but I didn't. And I, I noticed it again on this issue. I like this, um, this thing that Eddie Barrows is doing with like kind of the weird inset watercolor uh-huh. things. Um, it helps elevate the book a little bit artistically mm-hmm. rather than being, you know, just a, just a superhero book, you know, which his art 
I, I really like Eddie Barrows, but I think he very much like fits in that line of just, you know, very solid superhero work. Yeah. Kind of, you know, in like the, the line of like Ivan Reyes or, you know, one of those guys. Um, yeah, this definitely has a more nuanced feel to it. Yeah. Uh, the sort of the, the big bit in this issue that people are talking about is the recoupling of Tim Drake and Stephanie Brown. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Um, I'm fine with that. I know some people are, are are upset with it for a variety of reasons. I don't really have a problem with it. It just seems, it seems to me like I'm glad they're not showing them falling for each other from like the very beginning again, because mm-hmm. we've seen that one at one point. So I'm glad we're skipping that, but I wish there was a little bit more there. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it feels like they jumped right into this. Yeah. Well, I mean, they kind of did. And, you know, it's kind of like, it's the opposite side of the coin in terms of like what we've talked about with Green Arrow, where they're easing us back into the Green Arrow, Black Canary thing. Um, In this case, you know, they're kind of just like, hey, this is something that you are moderately familiar with and we're just going to run with it. So I can't really fault them for that. And no, I think we probably, I. I think we'll probably get a little bit more as, as it moves along. Um, you know, right, right now, I... I think, well, I say I was going to say we haven't really gotten a focus on character yet. It's been more like plot progression, but I think some characters have been getting a, a major focus, you know, like Batwoman, Clayface, and maybe that's why, you know, this is just a very large cast and it's going to kind of take time to get everyone fleshed out, even though these are, you know, characters that we know, but in ter- just in terms of this run. Yeah. Um, I was speaking with Multiversity editor Mike Romeo the other night, and he was saying how he does not particularly care for a Batwoman being so militant in this, mm-hmm. and how he feels like she's never been a character for whom her military background was the most important part of her before, mm-hmm. and he doesn't really like that part. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, I I can see, I, I think that complaint um, has credence, it's... Hmm. I can appreciate it as a as a take on the character, mm-hmm. um, and I I think it works in the context of the story just because it provides a kind of dichotomy between her and Bruce, right? And it and it just kind of works as you know she's like this drill instructor for this you know the next generation basically, and I I like that. Um. Do I think it's, you know, the truest incarnation or maybe even the best use of the character? Probably not. You know, I think there are other characters that could do that just as well. Like Julia Pennyworth would be a great... Ooh, good call. Yeah. You know, she could she could do that just as effectively. Where has she Paul, been? Yeah, she was... Uh, we haven't seen her since... At some point in uh, Batman fifty and forty nine, something like that. Yeah, somewhere in there. I don't think she's shown up in Rebirth yet. Yeah. Um, or even Gordon. Yeah, even Gordon. I'm, yeah. I'm glad that Batwoman's getting the spotlight, but I don't know if the military bent is necessarily correct for her. 
Yeah. Um, let, let's skip the pole pirate and pulp because that was, we did that last week for this, or two weeks ago rather. And let's move on to The Flash, number one, written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Carmine. I'll try it again. Uh, Gian Domenico. Gian Domenico. Gian yes. Domenico. Um, this issue I liked quite a bit in some ways. I wish it didn't retread Barry's origin again. But I understand why it did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this this issue begins sort of the overarching theme of the first arc, which is that we're going to get a lot of speedsters from Central City, and so they were juxtaposing Barry's origin with the origin of the, of our first new speedster, the heavy-handedly titled August Heart. Um. <laughs> What did you think of the issue? Um, thought it was a little rushed. <laughs> uh, I they mostly in terms of I thought the scene with Iris and Wally was kind of weird. To me, that are you caught up with the Flash TV show? Yes. To me, that felt very much like out of the TV show. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I just thought it was a little weird. Only because I don't have a good context for, and again, this is this may be on me. I, I don't want to necessarily like pass it off as a fault of the book. Um, I don't have a super good context for like what the relationship is between Barry and Iris in okay. the comics right now. That's fair. Um, and so a lot of that scene was me trying to read into the scene a little bit, you know, to get mm-hmm. to gain context. Um, yeah, I understand that. Um, but I do, you know, I didn't even really think about it. If you, so much of this book, I think, is relying. It's it's interesting. It's relying more on the TV show rather than having, you know, what has come in the previous volume of Flash. I right. Think, in terms of your your knowledge base. Yeah. Um. Which, honestly, I think is probably for the best. More people have seen the show than have read, you know, the new 52 Flash. Right. So it makes sense. Now, while I really enjoy how the book looks so visually different than any other DC book right now, Mm -hmm. do you wonder if this is not the best art to give somebody who maybe hasn't read many comics before? And is coming into this because of the TV it's, show? It's very funny that you mentioned this because I have a friend that um, has been like interested in checking out Rebirth and will ask me you know, what I think about the different books. And I recommended Flash when the Rebirth issue came out. And he picked it up, but he, like, he was like, yeah, I really like the story, but I don't like the art. And I, I can totally see that because... It's not. It's not really like very new reader friendly. Well, I've noticed in like my progression as like a comic book fan that like when I started out, I really liked you know, the Jim Lees, the you know the the triple A all star artists what or what have you, but then I like quickly got tired of that, and my taste progressed, and now like I can see someone like Carmine. D, D Gian Domenico and like really appreciate what he's doing. Um, 
even though it's not, you know, like. <sighs> I know exactly what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Um... I, I, I really like, yeah, I appreciate what he's doing and I, I, I like the uniqueness of his style and what he's bringing to the flash. Um, but I don't think that someone who's like coming in is going to have that same reaction unless they are, you know, like an art aficionado. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I feel like when I was a young comics reader and and I'm a little bit of a different case than, than you are because I, I, I was reading when I was like essentially in pre-K, I was looking at comics, you know? Mm-hmm. But I feel like when I rediscovered comics, like in my late teens or whatever, being photorealistic was very impressive to me. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, photorealism doesn't really interest me, art-wise. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but because of that, it's because like I'm, I'm now familiar with the way the art form works. And so, like, you're looking at some of these flash pages and, you know, it's exaggerated and it's it's a little bit... I feel like it really works well for this character. I feel like it's a very movement-oriented um, art style. But I could totally understand why somebody wouldn't be a fan of this because it's not what they're used to reading. Right. I mean, it's rough. It's very loose. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I just... It's really just funny that you brought this up just because I have had someone who has tried to read the issue not very familiar with comics and didn't like the art yeah that's interesting um on the pulp pirate and pulp scale where you putting it i'm i'm still pulling this yeah me too um like i said i wish there wasn't so much backtracking on barry's origin i feel like barry's origin is becoming a very um it's not like uh, again. I was on I was on the pull list episode of Robots from Tomorrow on Monday, and uh, I feel like Mike was saying how Barry's the, the chemical splashing on Barry is the new pearls hitting the ground, like from Batman's origin. Uh huh. Or like Krypton exploding. Yeah. Like Krypton exploding shows up in you know every other Superman, Superman comic. comic yeah. Theory. Yeah. And I feel like it maybe isn't quite to that level yet, but we're getting there. Hmm. I mean. As the character gets more popular, I think, yeah. Well, you know, it's the same, like, in the height of, like, the Green Lantern age. I feel like we saw um, Hal's dad crash his plane, you know, every five issues or so. <laughs> That's an excellent so, point. I I don't know what that is. That's a, That would be an interesting conversation to have into itself, just comics fascination with With origin telling origin stories yeah Yeah. well looping back to me being on robots the other day the thing i said was i feel like the flash right now is the closest dc has to 2008 green lantern Mm -hmm. in terms of a character able to pop and bring in people who maybe aren't reading many other comics and potential for spinoffs and all that sort of stuff. I feel like the Flash family right now is like where the Green Lantern family was in 2008. Which is great. I would love to see Flash just really blow up. So would I. Um, I think that 
if Justice League the movie fails and we don't get a Flash movie, that's mm-hmm. totally fine by me because I'm so happy with the Flash TV show right now. Um, but yeah, I'm... Uh, I did read some early hype coming out of the Justice League. You read uh, the same state vi- set visit reports everybody else read? Yeah, about... Uh, the tone being fixed and all that? Well, I was going to specifically Ezra Miller's Flash being um, being very promising. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I hope so. So, who knows? Yeah, I hope that's the case. I really do. Um, but anyway, I, I'm still pulling it, too. Like I said, if um, once they're past the, the origin thing next week, I've uh, two weeks, I'll feel much better about it. But that's that's... I understand why it's there. It's just that doesn't appeal to me as a reader necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Final issue of the week. Wonder Woman number one by Greg Rucka and Liam Sharp. Um, I like this issue quite a bit. I like this better than the Rebirth issue. See, I just don't. I don't think this is my thing. Okay, tell me why. I'm interested to know why. Um... I just, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, technically. Um, okay. It looks great. I just, I just don't really, I just like the Azarello run. What, I do, think. Do we have to choose one or the other? I will, like, I think that it, my enjoyment of that um, lessens this for me. Huh. I'm obviously not saying you're wrong because no. it's your opinion or whatever. I don't necessarily see one needing to like okay, what was it about the Azarella run that you're not seeing here just yet? So so it's interesting that you mentioned like the photorealism okay. aspect. So art, so let's talk about artistically, not even like story-wise. Like Liam Sharp's art is very technically strong. Yes. But it does lean more on the photorealistic side. Mm-hmm. And I don't love that for Wonder Woman just because um, I like her as more of a uh, kind of um, not, not mystic, mystical is not the right, but like... I like playing up the mythological aspects. And when I think of that, I think of very, you know, fantastic, otherworldly. And this feels very grounded. Okay. Which I, I mean, don't particularly care for. I think you might see that more from the uh, Nicholas Scott issues. I, you, you know, I agree. And I am very much like looking forward to that. Um, also, I, I don't know. There's, this issue felt really light to me. Um, I don't, there wasn't really anything that stood out to me. I mean, like the major, the issue jumps back and forth between, um, wonder woman fighting this, this group of monsters and kind of, you know, talking to someone that we don't, we don't know who she's talking to until the end of the issue. And it, it just juxtaposed with, um, Steve Trevor and his, his team um, in a you know foreign country, which we find out is in the, the same area that Wonder Woman is in, and 
Um, he's interacting with Etta Candy. So, there, you know, he's setting up the the supporting cast, which is, mm-hmm. you know, the fairly standard Wonder Woman supporting cast. Um, and I don't know. It just didn't feel like there was anything particularly, like, new or fresh going on. I can understand that. Do you want to hear my theory about all these comics, by the way? Yeah. I think with the exception of something like The Flash, I think every Rebirth issue was mm-hmm. conceived after the number one issue. That's probably true. And I think the number ones represent the pitch that was given for these books. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, all right, great. Now go backwards and reestablish this, you know, boom, boom, boom. And so I feel like maybe the reason that some of this feels slight is because we already got these ideas last week. Mm -hmm. I keep saying last week, uh, two weeks ago. Um, And that's why. I also realize that I I am being hypocritical when I critique this for not feeling fresh when Flash isn't necessarily fresh either. It's, I mean, it it recapped the origin. It's building off of the TV show. Um, I think that book... You know, coming again down to like an artistic level, I like the the tone and the style of that issue, and that probably um, it, that that plays a big part in like my enjoyment of that issue. I get um, that. Yeah, I think this one. The problem primarily is with the um, the visual tone and more than the tone of the story. And see, I feel like, well, again, I don't disagree with that necessarily. I feel like when this gets paired with the Nicola Scott stuff, mm-hmm. it's going to look very different. I well, I I very much like Nicola Scott, and I think that the year one stuff is going to. Well, I think it it will all like be very tied into like the Wonder Woman Wonder Woman mythology, but, um, you know, it's interesting. This is the current storyline. This is like Wonder Woman in man's world. You know, this is, whereas the year one will be, uh, assuming it happens, you know, prior to her meeting Steve Trevor or whoever, it will be Wonder Woman in her own world. Right. Um, And I think that, you know, that makes me think like the idea of like the real world kind of contaminating her world you know her fantasy world and i think that's like very much what we get in this issue we get like wonder woman i don't want to say through like the lens of batman versus superman because that's not what that is this is but it i feel like it is made to kind of appeal to like go into that like zeitgeist right now i can see that okay and i just don't particularly care for that that's fair. Like I said, I, I think that the... Um, I personally think that the two very different tones will play well together. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm kind of banking on that. But I'm still pulling the series. I, I, it sounds like you're maybe moving more towards a pirate. Yeah, I am. Um, and again, I feel like with this one, you know, you really... I, I can't say one way or the other until we get the first year one issue. Mm-hmm. Because this is essentially like two different Wonder Woman series. Right. Um, 
and so it, you know, I could very well see myself like pull, pulling one and pirating the other, or pulping the other. You know. Yeah, that's an interesting. Uh, to me, this is this is the series that has the biggest potential to like right now produce a classic run or completely fall on its face. Mm-hmm. Although Batman, to me. You know, we had talked a little bit about the um, the overrating of Batman. Yes. And I personally think that this series is also getting a little bit of that just because it's Rucka returning to the character. Well, I guess here's a, here's a prescient follow-up here. Um, did you really read a lot of... Rucka the Rucka Wonder Woman beforehand or no? No, I've I've read bits and pieces here and there, but it never really particularly grabbed me. Okay, and compared compared to some of Rucka's other stuff, um, like um, you know, his Batman, his Gotham, his Batwoman, his Wonder Woman never quite grabbed me as well as the those works did. So was the Azarello Chang Wonder Woman the first run you really read? Like, like it's the first from, Wonder from, Woman from a long term perspective. Well, it's the yeah, it's the first Wonder Woman run that I really liked, or that I really cared about. I guess maybe that sounds harsh. No, I know um, what you mean. You know what I mean? Like that—that that was the the first Wonder Woman run that really resonated with me. Because I, you know, I, other than like the Rucka run, I can't really think of very many like definitive. There's the Perez run. Right. Perez and, um, uh, did Jimenez, um, was he on that as well or was he on a different? Did, I believe he was on that run. Okay, I knew he was involved with Wonder Woman at some point. I couldn't remember. This is and one I've of the never, things I've never read any of that. Um, but yeah. you know, that's another thing I feel like we've talked about is there aren't as many seminal Wonder Woman runs, right, or storylines, and that's a real problem. Yeah. Um, but it's a problem that doesn't get solved unless you do good Wonder Woman comics, right? And I think that. Rucka, while I can understand not being a huge fan of this issue, I think that Rucka really understands the character. And to me, that's the first step to making good comics is to understand the character for whom you're telling stories. Mm-hmm. So I have hope that this could turn into something really special. Yeah. No, and I, I agree. I'm still hopeful on that. Um, it just hasn't really... it just hasn't really spoken to me yet. That's totally fair. Totally fair. So we are at an interesting crossroads right now, Zach, because next week, what are we looking at here? Next week, we're looking at... Nothing. Yeah, I don't think there is anything next next week. There, there's not even a continuation of a story, right? We get the newest issue of Dark Knight three. We get De- Deathstroke Annual. Well, I guess it it is a fifth. It's a fifth Wednesday. It's a fifth Wednesday. Yeah. So I guess that's not too surprising. Yeah, but so we're looking at 
the end of the first month of Rebirth right now. Right. How do you feel, like, in less than a minute, how do you feel about Rebirth right now? I feel pretty good about it. Because um, you, you were probably the most down on it before it started of the three of us. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's, it's really nice. It's really exciting to me because the books that I expected to like or that I thought would be the best have been the ones that I haven't been as crazy about. And I've been more excited about some of the other books, which to me is just like really kind of exciting because it means I'm getting to like read and enjoy new things. Yeah. I would say that the, the one book that hasn't surprised me at all in its quality has been Superman. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that that one is as great as I thought it was. Yeah. Almost everything else has been more of a pleasant surprise than I thought, except for Batman. If we, I, I wish we had Vince here for this, but if based on the, I guess they were. So we had the four books the first week, mm-hmm. um, Action and Detective. So that's six, and then we had Titans, the Titans issue, Flash, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. So that's ten books. Yeah. What are you, what are your top three so far? Ooh, top three, top three. Superman. Mm-hmm. The Flash. And. Uh... I guess we'll go with Detective. And that, but see, Detective to me is, that's the one I'm dreaming on of those three. And even to the Flash, even the Flash to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're just talking about, you know, I, I really like Aquaman, but I don't think, I don't know. This is a, uh, this is a tough question. What, what's your top three? Um, I would also lead with superman and flash um when i get into third place you know i kind of agree like there are things that i've liked about each of the book not well no not all of them but there are a few books that i've liked things about but it's been like a lot of ups and downs like aquaman i didn't care for the rebirth issue but enjoyed the number one um i know what i want to say for number three but i don't want to say it what is it because it comes with like so many qualifications. Is it Titans? It's not Titans. What is it? It's uh, it's Green Arrow. Okay, no, I, I get that though. Mm-hmm. I get that's that. my that's my number three. One, primarily because of the art. Yes. And secondarily, just because of the potential for character dynamics that I really like, which I, also which. Aquaman would have been a close follow-up to that for similar reasons. Mm-hmm. Green Arrow just wins out because of Otto Schmidt. He, I think you know he's the. Uh, I, I think he is the breakout of Rebirth so far. I won't disagree with that. Um, so that that would be my top three right now. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I'm. I'm interested to hear what our readers. I mean, our readers, our listeners, think about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, tweet at us and let us know what your top three of Rebirth are for the first month. Maybe we'll do this each month. 
I think that's a good idea. What do we have coming up next month? I know we've got Justice um, League. Let's take a look. Hal Jordan. Um, other than that, I really don't know. Let me pull these up. Uh, we have New Superman. Oh, I'm excited for that. I'm very excited for that. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Okay, I've got it up right here. Okay. We've got Justice League, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey. Um, we also have a Batgirl number one, but no Rebirth issue. Right. I, I, I wonder uh, why that is. I don't know. Um, but we, we also have Nightwing Rebirth. The Hellblazer. Hellblazer Rebirth. Red Hood and the Outlaws. And New Superman. Um, new Superman which also doesn't have a rebirth issue. The, but that's a new series. I understand why that doesn't need a rebirth issue. Yeah. So, some interesting stuff. Yeah. I um I'm pretty happy with rebirth so far. Mhm. In some ways, I wish it went further. In some ways, I uh... yeah, I'm pretty happy. I, I I feel like I have I have to uh, feel like I have to temper my expectations a little bit with some of this stuff, but I'm pretty happy so far. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy that it seems like there's a lot of room for all these characters and books to grow. Definitely. Like, almost no book seems completely cornered off just yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, uh, we talked about wanting you guys to tweet at us. You can tweet at me, at Brian is an app. Where can people tweet at you? I'm at SirFox89. And don't leave out Vince just because he's getting married. He's at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. And uh, congratulations again, Vince. Welcome to the Married Club. We'll be sending you your uh, pleated khakis in the mail. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what a, uh, <laughs> what, like, a married guy outfit is. Oh, man. Do you own a pair of pleated khakis? I, I don't. Oh, we'll get you one, too. I don't know. I I I don't think I do either. To be, to be totally honest, actually, thinking. wait. No, I do. I do. I don't believe I my pair. I don't believe my khakis are pleated, but I think I have one pair that is okay. That's pleated. <sighs> or, or is it a pair? Oh, that's a. I, is it a pair that are pleated? It's one pant, but it's a pair of pants. It's interesting. Yeah, is, is it pe- plural or singular? That's I don't a know. From any grammar majors out there? Right in. Yeah, please do. It's a pair of pants, singular or... I believe it's a pair of pant legs. Oh. Because you would say, like, they... (laughs) Huh. Because you would say, there is a bee, or there are two bees. Mm -hmm. But you'd say, there is a pair of bees, right? Yeah. See that's the, the that's just the confusing part because you generally say a pair of pants, but a pant is one thing. A, a pair of pants is one. 
Good night, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think about this anymore. I'm thinking,